We theater makers fall between the intersection of commerce, creativity, and community. So we need to lead the way in how we take our cause-related values and implement them across every aspect of our conscious marketing. I'm Julie Nemitz, former for-profit marketing executive to Fortune 500 brands turned evangelist for marketing excellence and innovation in live theater. This is In the Green Room. It wasn't long ago that I was racking up frequent flyer miles, traveling the country, leading digital media and marketing for some of the world's top brands, and I was exhausted. Worse yet, I felt utterly empty. It was then I had an aha moment. I can take all of that I learned over the last 15 years climbing the corporate ladder in for-profit marketing, making billions for those top brands, mind you, and use it for good to help my true passion, the theater, thrive in this brave new digital world. Fast forward through a pandemic and lessons learned, and you'll see a happy me today leading regional and community theaters to grow with marketing innovations, strategies, and kickin' content. If you're a theater maker feeling overwhelmed by the lightning pace of marketing changes, lack the confidence or resources to implement new marketing tactics, or just want to find support to create a theater that makes an impact in your community, you are in the right place. Now grab some coffee and a cardboard cup, and let's get on with the show. Hello, this is Julie Nemitz, and thanks so much for tuning into the podcast this week. I hope you don't mind that my puppy is sitting next to me. He's not feeling so great this week. So Rory, our beautiful Bernadoodle, is nestled next to me. And I hope that he'll be good for us during this episode. For those Doctor Who fans out there, you'll probably understand why we named our dog that. If you're not a Doctor Who fan, feel free to Google it. And by the way, full disclosure, I had nothing to do with the name. It was my husband and my kids. Anyway, let's get on with the show, shall we? I have a question for you. I'm wondering if your theater's marketing is conscious. And I don't mean sleeping, and I'm going to get to what exactly that means in a little bit. But I'm also going to talk today um, about demographics. And I think we could all use a refresher on um, how our core demographics are. Uh, especially our ideal audience members, our uh, desired audience are behaving and reacting right now. So here's my second question. I'm wondering what shape your theater's core values are in. You know, those are the beliefs that you as a unique arts organization stand for. Are they written on the walls of your theater's office? Are they posted in the kitchen? Are they the office screensaver? I'm asking because these are some of the places I've seen arts organizations proudly display those values. They serve as a compass, you know, to guide our brand story, our actions, our behaviors, and importantly, 
our decision-making process. We all know too well, there are times in business when we have to make really tough choices. So our theater's set of core values attempts to weave throughout the organization to guide decisions from what shows you decide to produce to what media you buy. It's no longer enough for a brand to exist only to sell stuff. You know, let's take that one step further into values impact on marketing. Values-based marketing starts within your organization. It does not start within your marketing plan. For example, there are many cause-related values that theaters are embracing right now. Diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, LGBTQIA+, women's rights, education, of course, uh, parental support advocacy, new works advocacy. I mean, the list is so long for us because of this. So we need to lead the way in how we take our cause-related values and implement them across everything about our organization. But We theater makers fall between the intersection of commerce, creativity, and community. As many of us have learned, you know, with the bumps and the bruises, uh, we've had some strides, we've had some setbacks along the way. Cause-related values and strategies have to be introduced in a nuanced and authentic way, you know, to establish, you know, purpose-driven measures that make sense and align with our theater's core values, right? As a marketer and a theater maker, I spend a good amount of time reading, and I've always leaned into consuming quite a bit of analytics and insights to help guide decision making. I think that's the uh, agency person in myself that I'm so used to making decisions based on data. And while that list includes, you know, arts organ- arts related And while that list includes arts related organizations like Americans for the Arts, Theater Communications Group, um, Colleen Dillon Schneider, Capacity Interactive, there are so many wonderful and important sources out there with arts insights about arts customers and arts audiences. But I heard something said earlier this year that I remember and I've been thinking a lot about. And that's if we don't re-examine how the data we collect and analyze might have inherent bias built into its methodology, then we aren't looking at a big enough picture. Let me get back to the question I asked at the beginning of the episode. Is your marketing conscious? And then I say, what is, flip those two words, what exactly is conscious marketing? Well, conscious marketing is defined as a style of marketing that emphasizes the needs and desires of customers as a top priority. It puts the customer first and uses active engagement to help customers make buying decisions that will have the best impact on their lives. Now, we are so fortunate because we're inherently providing a service that betters lives and brings those customers positive experiences. 
At least we hope we do, right? Another point that can't be ignored is that conscious marketing requires a marketing tech stack review through an ethical human lens. Let me try to explain that. You know, technology, especially marketing technology, can be a double-edged sword when it comes to conscious marketing. You know, while it enables targeted and efficient campaigns, a set-it-and-forget-it strategy just doesn't always work in this context of conscious marketing. Across the industry, discussions are emerging about bias in AI even. If regular reviews of an organization's marketing stack aren't happening to ensure it's evolving with cultural norms, it could be excluding people and opportunities unknowingly. Now, there might be a couple of you out there that are thinking, marketing tech stack, I'm exactly how, what does she mean by that? What technology and what partners are you using to help reach your customers? if you're doing programmatic digital marketing buy digital ad buying if you're using an agency if you're using third party data to inform all of that when i say tech stack it's how are those things working together so if our tech stacks and the choices we're making in our marketing partners isn't evolving with cultural norms it could be excluding people and opportunities without us even knowing it it's not conscious, you know? An example is a common advertising industry practice in which brands leverage lists that block certain words, news items, or key phrases in order to avoid having their ads appear near inappropriate content. That's a no-brainer, right? You want to have contextual relevancy with your marketing ads, but at the same time, you want to make sure that when ads are running, let's say, on the Google ad network. We want to make sure that we're not associated with inappropriate content. So what they have is called a block list. There's some inherent bias in the block list strategy. You know, while it might be well-intentioned, because I'm sure it was when it was started, it might also be blocking content from diverse audiences. I read about an example. So there was a five-minute video that was made about Black Lives Matter movement, and it triggered a block list and prevented important content from connecting with an audience that is keyed into that issue. You know, so to avoid insensitivities, we should take a careful look at what technology we're using in order to reach the audiences that we want to reach and ensure that the platforms we choose and any partners we choose to work with don't have inadvertent blind spots. Again, for theaters working with an agency, if you haven't had a conversation about the block list in your media buys, whether it's manual or programmatic, I really recommend you do that. question for you. Are you a member of Theater Marketing Academy? If you found this podcast surfing the waves of podcast search or heard about it from a colleague, you may not know that joining Theater Marketing Academy is for everyone who makes theater and it's free. Because here's the thing, whether you are an artistic director, an actor, a stage manager, volunteer head usher, board member, everyone has a hand in 
and can be responsible for understanding and activating marketing for your theater. Head on over to our website at the link over in our show notes. So do that, like ASAP. Okay, great. Thanks. Now, you know, I always love offering up a checklist uh, on my episodes. So here's one. If you're multitasking, pause for a second. Okay, maybe a minute. And here are some important marketing channels to consider when you're diversifying your media mix. You know, organizations must also take stock in these digital tactics that they may not be using that can help us diversify digital communication and retargeting tools. The digital tactics are these that I'm about to talk about are just a few of the many ways we can, this is a popular marketing phrase, how do we zoom out? and ensure that we're leveraging digital to reach a wider array of cultural consumers. The first question for you is, do you utilize Google Analytics to understand the cultural, linguistic, and geographic makeup of your website visitors and understand related audience demographics of any web page hosting recent virtual digital content and programs? Number two, Google search engine marketing. You know, are you leveraging Google's language targeting to reach beyond English speakers? Now, for some communities and some areas of the country, this is a priority in your conscious marketing is to expand, zoom out, and not just speak to English-speaking uh, potential audience members. Number three, Good old social media advertising. This is an interesting question for you. Do you or your agency leverage cultural affinity targeting to ensure that you're reaching a broader range of audience segments? Now, cultural affinity targeting might be a new phrase for you if you do some DIY social media advertising. And in the show notes, I'm going to provide a link that gives you a little bit more background on cultural affinity targeting that Meta offers to its advertisers. Number four, programmatic digital advertising. Again, this is usually more towards theaters that are using agencies that are putting programmatic as a priority in their marketing stack. But here's a question for you. If you are doing programmatic, have you used cultural and linguistic affinity targeting there to reach diverse audiences across a variety of sites and publishers? And then the last one is one that I'm extremely excited about, and that's connected TV. Okay, let's just all be super clear about what connected TV is and is not. Connected TV is a device that connects to or is embedded in a television to support video content streaming. Different types of CTVs are very familiar to y'all. Xbox, PlayStation, Roku, the number one, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV. You get the idea. Now, the rise of connected TV has led to the phenomenon known as cord cutting. This was happening way before the pandemic, which is the growing trend of customers canceling their traditional cable and satellite subscriptions in favor of only using these streaming or video on-demand formats. Now, but then you also hear this term OTT. Well, OTT stands for over the top. It is the delivery of TV or video content directly from the internet. 
Users don't have to be as to subscribe to traditional cable. Video cut. Video content directly from the internet. Users don't have to be. Users don't have to subscribe to a traditional cable or satellite provider to access the content. They can watch this content on devices, a tablet, a phone, a laptop, a television. You get the idea. The video is delivered in a streaming or video on demand format. Different types of OTT services include Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime, right? Think of those three as the content, and that's what Over the Top is bringing customers. Mass media and networks, of course, as we all know, Disney Plus, are all launching on their own OTTs. Um, NBC's Peacock is another example. Now, so then linear TV is the old phrase. Linear TV is the older phrase. It's the traditional system in which a viewer watches a scheduled TV program when it's broadcast and on its original channel. Let's think again about how we're zooming out, which is such the polar opposite of where we were three years ago, isn't it? We're zooming out. We need to broaden because we had cultural bias baked in to that hyper-targeted approach to finding customers, finding audience members. Back to number five, connected TV. Have you explored vendors that allow you to reach audiences engaging with multicultural and international streaming platforms? I... And probably guessing enough of you have had phone calls and emails and possibly unexpected visits from our friendly cable companies in your area really trying to push their connected TV media buys. Three years ago, it was certainly an area that we weren't ready to dive into. But I want to tell you about what Hulu is doing. Hulu is creating a local ad platform where for as little as $500, you can go to purchase commercial advertising in your area, demographically focused. And in this platform, you can explore ways and cultural relevance. You can explore content that is aligned with, again, the more tactics we employ and that we test help us with our conscious marketing because we're broadening our expectations of what our choices can do. In the show notes, I'm going to link you to the Hulu reservation website where you can enter your name, your company, and some additional data about where you are located, and you'll get on the list, and hopefully Hulu's local advertising will open up in your area sooner than it is in mine. <laughs> Just because something is popular at the time doesn't mean we should want to run our ads around it. That's not what we mean by conscious marketing. 
we're conscious of what's happening right now. Conscious, remember, goes back to are we rooted in our core values and how are those core values working their way inside the decisions we make about our marketing? Here's what I believe. Audiences want theaters they support to be aligned with their values. You know, when they aren't, it does have a profound impact on the consumer's respect and trust of the theater brand and purchasing intent. So being conscious, responsible, and ethical can take us a long, long way. Remember, consumers are paying more attention now and brands have the opportunity to be more conscious and ethical, starting with that organization's DNA, with your organization's DNA. Being more aware of the tech that we're using, it's really a shift in perspective as marketers of being more aware of the platforms we're using and ensuring it is unbiased and remembering that where we choose to say something matters just as much as what actually is being said, right? Just as much as the show that we're trying to promote or the feeling we're trying to give our potential customers, our potential audience members to come in and come to our theater, what we choose to say has so much impact. They're looking to support brands that stand up for what's right. And hopefully, as we become more conscious, our audiences, wouldn't this be great if our audiences didn't have to choose at all? That's a little bit of a Pollyanna statement, but I made it anyway. I really think that 2022 is the time for theaters to authentically live our values and those values find their way into our marketing DNA, right? In this episode, I promised I wanted to circle back and talk a little bit more about demographics because it's important that we also there step outside of our arts bubble and look at business. Fortune magazine had a piece last August. They published an extended piece that shared this fact. Companies need to take notice of the changing habits of U.S. consumers, according to a McKinsey study that happened recently. And for those of you that don't know McKinsey, it's a consulting company that advises on strategic management to corporations, governments, and other organizations. You know, are their findings biased? That is the extra step we now have to take to keep true to our pursuit of conscious marketing, right? It's a little bit harder, but it's worth it. Now, LaPlaca Cohen and Slover Linnet are audience research companies, and they're highly regarded. When they reviewed 2019 standards and practices for their research on cultural arts, they saw the inherent whiteness of the audience and member lists of the majority of cultural organizations who participated in their studies. So it's evident, right? If they're seeing back in 2019, they're recognizing the cultural bias of only reaching out to a certain group of people for insights. They knew that things had to change even back then. But let's talk about those demographics. I'm going to lean in a little bit on eMarketer, the Washington Post, and a few other sources that I'll list in the show notes. But I want to talk about theaters who coveted demographic group for growth, for our future, for sustaining our organizations. Gen X, those who are between the ages of 44 and 57. Here's a fact. Generation X has the highest 
brand loyalty across all generations. Full stop. Companies have reported that Gen Xers are loyal to the brands they love. So as long as you can get them in your door and give them a good experience, they should remain loyal. Returning audiences are responsible for growth at our theaters. So making sure that we do everything we can to keep those Generation X patrons coming back really is a priority. You know, this is another thing. Generation X folks like to be thanked. They're influenced by how you reward their loyalty in some way, whether it's a discount after a certain amount of purchases or with a simple thank you email. Just going that beyond step influences how they feel about you in a much bigger way than other generations. And geez, remember to provide excellent service. It probably seems like a no-brainer, but if you treat your repeat customers well, try to remember their names and give them a great experience. Not only will they want to return to the theater, but they're also likely to spend more money and become donors. And here's the other fun fact that I found that Generation X consumers are highly nostalgic. Google conducted a YouTube survey to find out what Generation X likes to watch most. As it turns out, maybe no surprise, the common theme was nostalgia. Gen Xers want to watch videos related to the past, past events, people from the past, TV commercials from the 80s, music from the past. They're posting Spotify lists from the past. Here's a nostalgia marketing tip. Adding a little nostalgia to your marketing is kind of probably a good thing. Whether it's by mentioning a throwback or creating a video in the style of, of popular TV shows in the 90s, or gosh, commercials from the early aughts. Oh, those were the days. It gives them something that stirs that nostalgia within, within themselves. Nostalgia reminds them of a time when they were younger and more carefree. So adding it to your marketing will make them feel that rather than being advertised to, which they hate, you have to put thought into them as an audience, what they will react to. 54% of Generation X consumers feel overlooked by brands and marketers. You know, it's not a huge surprise because Generation X is the smallest demographic by far. Everybody's talking about how to market to millennials or Generation Z, but that can mean that we're ignoring Generation X, and I take it personally. Maybe it's because, like I said, we're a smaller generation, or maybe it has something to do with the fact that the younger generations t tend to be more tech savvy. Uh, no matter the reason, you can't afford to ignore Generation X because that is our sweet spot audience. It may be smaller than we like. It might be smaller than the baby boomers or the silent generation, those two groups that are um, that are still the great generation, the, those that are still um, hopefully populating the seats of your theater. Generation X is who's going to be there and become loyal and be there in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years. They have a ton of purchasing power and they are brand loyalists. If they become loyal to your organization, they're more likely to stick. I know, I get it. 
from theaters in the suburbs of Connecticut to the Appalachian Mountains to the middle of our country in Iowa, all the way up to Portland. I get it. We're just running from one production into the next. And for some of you, you're producing two to three productions across multiple venues all at once. And I know so many of you are primarily still DIYing it a lot. And I know so many of you are still DIYing a lot of your marketing to gain that footing back from 2020 and 2021. But why should we slow down and contemplate how we'll take action to implement the steps required for conscious marketing? How about two last insights? A recent study by Channel Factory found that 69% of consumers want to buy from brands that stand behind causes that matter, and they recognize when brands are supporting the wrong thing. Another study with Magna Media found that ads that appear next to the wrong type of content are remembered in a negative light. We talked about that earlier. So this data tells us that consumers think brands, and remember, theaters are brands. We owe it to them to stand up for something, do the right thing, and support media that's safe and in line with their values. 2022 is the time for theaters to authentically live their values, and those values need to find their way into your marketing, from your brand campaigns to your small one-night-only productions. That's conscious marketing. I'll leave you wonderful theater makers with this. The growth segments of our audiences are looking to support theaters that stand up for what's right. And hopefully, as we all become more conscious, consumers will no longer have to choose. We're values-driven organizations activating conscious marketing every beautiful day that we get the great honor of making theater. I believe in you. I know you can do this. It doesn't matter to me whether you're a small community theater with a completely 100% volunteer staff and organization, or if you're a $3 million a year community theater with a 15-member staff, or if you're a regional theater tucked away in the corner of a state, or a regional theater that has a big impact in your community. I believe that everyone can make conscious decisions to create the values for your organization that work their way into everything you make. Well, that's all for this week. Take care and send me a voice message and let me know how you're keeping your theater moving forward in your community this week. 